This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. guest for this hour is James King Jr., board member of the Black Farmers Collective. He has more than 15 years of experience in coordinating environmental stewardship projects throughout the United States and has engaged and inspired thousands of people uh, to be far more active in cultural studies, urban environmental research, uh, environmental justice issues, and the like. And he is here with us today to talk on the matter of the black farmer, what they are facing, what they are navigating. And my real question for him is, what are we going to do about it collectively? James King Jr. It is such a pleasure to have you here, sir. Thank you so much for being with us. Man, thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, because this is a topic that I, I got to be honest with you, I know very little about farming. Uh, I can I imagine myself a, a, a hydroponics farmer beginner. I have a little system in my house that I got off the Internet and I do my little best to, to try to get my lights and everything going. And it's struggle. But I am never as joyful as I am when I see something actually growing that I have planted. So the idea of having an entire uh, economy and, and lifestyle built around connection to the land is something that I am absolutely fascinated with. And so I'm really grateful for you uh, being here today. Uh, I want to ask you, what is the Black Farmers Collective and why did it come into being? Man, uh, <clears throat> here in, in Seattle, uh, a lot of elders that were connected to the land um, via their heritage in the South and, and, and those who migrated from other regions of the, of the South or America over to Seattle um, they wanted to uh, pass on that knowledge, that heritage, uh, their love for farming, their love for backyard gardens uh, to the next generation. Um, they also wanted to make sure that we were secured in, in, in food, knowing that there was food deserts um, in some locations here in Seattle. Um, and also uh, they wanted, they noticed that some areas, environmental areas that seem liberal was not inviting uh, to, mm-hmm. to a lot of people of color. So uh, these elders got together and they started the, the Black Farmers Collective. And from there, uh, a younger generation took on um, and, and we're still thriving to today. Mm. What are some of the greatest challenges that black farmers are facing right now? We've seen a lot in the news about aid packages and relief packages. And then later on, you know, buried maybe 13, 14 paragraphs into the story. We'll hear about some of the challenges as it pertains to actually securing that relief. What are some of the greatest challenges that black farmers are facing right now? I mean, it's it's, it's big on the financial side, uh, acquiring land, uh, loans, uh, to, to get equipment and to get the seeds, uh, not only getting seeds, as you've seen, has been reported uh, on Roland Martin and others uh, from black farmers not being able to acquire uh, good seeds. So mm. like if you barely get money from the banks to, to buy seeds and then you get some seeds that are, are not har- harvest, uh, not able to be able to harvest um, and you've seen that uh, you were sold bad seeds or or just the equipment itself. I mean, when you think about farming equipment, uh, as things advance technolo- 
uh, with technology, farming equipment advanced as well. So we're talking about repair rights. And mm. so it costs like as, as much as you get all this digital technology that's embedded into to these new tractors. Um, you just can't take it to the Joe Blow that's right around the corner to, to get it fixed. Uh, you have to take it back to the manufacturer for them to do coding and all this other stuff. Mm. And those are uh, a lot of fees as well. So um, it's, 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 it's a lot with um, it's a lot with acquiring money, acquiring funds, acquiring land. Um, those are some of the big issues. And then when you think about local farming um, and you think about the local small farms and organizations is being able to get that food and that produce to families of, of need uh, without laws and everything else hindering. So um, for us at Black Farmers Collective, we're trying to see how we can support the, the big, medium, small farmers, uh, low, low income uh, to get food to low income housing. And mm. that's, you know, that's the biggest thing that, you know, we're trying to do. And those are the things that w- we're seeing is, you know, we're in a pandemic uh, currently right now. And we still have to solve food issues, getting food issues to housing. And then think about not only the pandemic, but think about, uh, you know, we're, we're having these issues with with uh, getting foods from uh, the the big, uh, what were we saying, the, uh, <clears throat> all the shipping yards and everything else, transportation to getting mm. foods from point A to B. And as, as, if you haven't seen the grocery stores, a lot of shelves are starting to be empty because of these delivering shortages and stuff like that. So imagine, as we always say, that, you know, uh, when America gets a cold, you know, Black America has the flu. So, mm. yeah. Mm. So you you outlined money, land, repairs, and distribution. And these are are four key areas uh, where black farmers are facing a significant set of challenge. And when you think about sort of the global scale of these issues, and when I mean, I don't necessarily mean the global uh, supply chain scale, but I mean, just thinking about nationwide, when we look at black farmers all across the country, and we've talked on this show before about the fact that the the proportion of of farming, uh, of the farming community among black farmers has shrunk precipitously. We've gone from 14% in the 1900s to like less than 2% uh, or or right around the 2% mark. And we are seeing that uh, in addition to the land being taken from our farms, we're seeing that we've had guests on the show. We had Dr. John Boyd Jr. on earlier this year who talked about the fact that the application process and the length of time that it takes for, for black farmers to submit their claims as compared to when white farmers do, it's just not even comparable. When you think about what relief would look like, and I mean like comprehensive relief, what would you need to happen that is not currently happening for black farmers, but which is happening for white farmers? I think we got to think about it uh, and and be honest about uh, a lot of white farmers and and their heritage and and this whole thing. Um, They are able to have lobbyists have uh, everything, a lot of systems to vouch and help them out. Um, For us Black farmers, we need those same systems. And if we're talking about this being um, for all American citizens, it should be distributed out to all and not only just distributed out as application, 
but how to write uh, what these applications look like. Um, as we know, black farmers are closer to communities of color, giving them food and things that they need during these pandemic times. So if, it's, if we're making it harder for them, think about how hard it is for, for low income, low middle income families um, that need food um, and, and need it on their table. So um, I say on the big end, on the federal end, we have to um, not only we, we have to make it a true equitable system where individuals know what they're they can get. Um, they know how they sh- they're shown how to apply. Um, they're shown how to, to report report out. Um, but also it got to be easy for them because the main thing that they they love and they're passionate about is the growth. So, mm. you know, how, what other assistance that they need? Um, can we connect them to nonprofits? Can we connect them to other community stewards that can help them write these grants or local jurisdiction, uh, local agencies that can help them write these grants or uh, apply for these funds? Um, because a lot of farmers, I mean, their their dreams, their hopes is just to grow, to love their love and passion to grow and tend to the land and then support people from there. So um, how do we not make it so burdensome? Mm. That's a question that I think is on a lot of our minds, both as it pertains to black farmers and a whole host of other areas as well. When you think about how this administration is interacting with black farmers and, and with your organization in particular, uh, or with any of the organizations that are really seeking to, to speak to the needs of, of your constituency group, what are your thoughts on how, how this administration is responding to your needs as compared to previous administrations? I believe they, that they can do better. Um, I'm not saying that they're not doing anything at all, but I think there's a lot of things that can improve uh, to reach out. Um, we have we have the farmers, we have black farmers that are going up to Capitol Hill, um, and those are the ones who can have access. And you you already said two percent, so think about how many can actually go up to Capitol Hill and fight. And then also during this pandemic. You know, we got to figure out better ways that those who represent us can target and reach us um, on a local basis. And we have those. We have systems where they can do that. Um, But they have to, you know, do their research to reach out to us a little bit better, a little bit more um, and and be great advocates for us as as we move. And like I said, we're supporting um, getting food on people's tables like right now. I'm talking to my to a lot of the farmers and I'm like, hey, you know, with the supply chain shortage um, and then also the pandemic, we still um, have to think about, you know, what we can do in our greenhouses now to mm. get food on table. So um, the, the federal government has to recognize that uh, we're doing these things. The local governments, the state governments have to recognize that we're doing these things. So they have to help. Um, take some of the burden off of us. And if that's a financial burden, yes, that, you know, help us with that. So um, if it's land acquisition, help us with that, because ultimately um, we are thriving, innovating in innovating in these farming fields as well to make sure uh, business is growing, to make sure people get food to the table. Mm. Let me ask you, and this is a not intended to be a gotcha question at all, but it's just sort of where my thinking is as it pertains to a, a whole host of areas. If the government, and you just outlined a number of ways that you think they could do better, 
let's say worst case scenario, for whatever reason, they don't. And and for and I'm, and I don't like thinking of worst case scenarios. I'm generally a very optimistic person, sir. However, on this issue, uh, I've I've just sort of been and a, a number of issues, as I mentioned, uh, thinking about what happens if after all of the advocacy, after all of the demands, if the government chooses for whatever reason to not respond in a way that meets the needs as you have currently outlined them, outlined them. What other options exist for how we in the community could take on some of these elements and create a solution, crowdsource a solution, perhaps, if you will, that would help to meet the need in the absence of government intervention in doing so? Yeah, so that's, that's great. So we um, have to get together um, as Black folks a little bit more in saying uh, in creating a system I mean, that's why we created the Black Farmers Collective, um, so we can all get together as as Black farmers, uh, educators, innovators, uh, plus more, and we can just talk about these solutions and what we can do ourselves. Um, with us at Black Farmers Collective, we have we're, we lease two properties under government entity. Uh, one is uh, one acres in Seattle. Another is is four acres uh, out in Woodenville. Um, and we have talked about owning our own property um, mm. because we know those properties can be taken away at any time, even at, even though we have contracts with them um, to have it for so so amount of years that within the contract, within the language, that those properties can be taken away. So um, we're thriving and we're saying, hey, how can we acquire land? Not only how can we acquire land, um, what does that look like when we talk about innovation? Um, what does that look like for us? What are we going to do? We know that you just can't make it off of just selling fruits and vegetables at a, at a stand. Mm. It's like how we can innovate, create um, on this property as well so we can be self-sustaining for the people who we serve and the people who we continuously serve, and especially for our elders, our elders who taught us these skills. And now that they are getting older and mature in age, how we can continue to supply and show our love for them um, and, and also others along the way and, and teaching. There's a lot of young people who want to become farmers um, and they just like yourself, they're starting off in the house. Mm. Uh, they're, they're starting off growing <laughs> little plots and plants in the house. And then it grows into uh, their, the community apartments. And then it grows from there into bigger plots and plots and, and people are growing in, in knowledge and everything else. So it's just like um, how we can continuously support being innovative. And then also, like you said, we're not trying to depend on uh, the federal government day in, day out. Hell, like right now, shit, we've been depending on ourselves uh, mm. <laughs> for the longest. So um, if, you, if you look at it, there's, um, there's a community in Texas. I want to say Fort Worth, Texas, outside. And... They started back uh, yard gardens, uh, community gardens in, in people's yards, uh, just like you know our great great, just like our grandmothers, our great great grandmothers had, mm. um, just to get plots. So they're starting off helping out individuals in that way. And for us at the uh, Black Farmers Collective, that's what we're doing as well. Um, we have we're starting off at people's houses. Or, or within the plots that we have in Seattle, we're making sure people have plots. If they don't have, if they live in apartments and they don't have a plot, that they can come down 
and they can have a small plot. Um, and, and, and then not only that, we're bringing their, their youth, uh, we're bringing youth mm. down to educate them about farming and about jobs in the environmental field, good paying jobs in the environmental field that you might not be engaged about in school. How do you attract young people to this profession? Because so many of us are, are so removed from farming. I, I know all of us have it in our history, a connection with the land. But there are so many young people right now for whom this is a completely foreign conversation. What methods do you all use to attract younger generations to this field, particularly in light of all the challenges that come with being successful in this space? Man, we just work with organizations that are already attracting young uh, young educators and young minds. And then we partner with them um, and we show them the amazing things about the gardening or, or about gardening and, and growing that they probably wasn't introduced to in school. Or what we do is if they are not getting things in school, we, we are able to give them a hands-on approach to, to science and education by using the farm. So, um, and, and that's, that's wonderful in itself, you know, showing them how, um, things are applicable from the farm into their daily lives. So let's, let's think about this. We need, we have black farmers who have wisdom, but they don't necessarily have land. We got a lot of black people who have a house or a yard or some land in some way, shape or form. They ain't, they, they don't have any wisdom about how to actually farm it. Are there land banks? Are there way you mentioned the folks who are starting uh, the farms in people's backyards? And that seems to make sense for those of us who, like myself, know nothing about farming. Uh, so I want to learn. But if we were thinking about an industry wide solution, is there a way that you are aware of that perhaps black folks who have money, but not a whole lot of land connection, who wanted to buy some land, could then lease that land over to the black farmers who are able to farm that land and, and split the profit? I mean, is that how? Happening? Are there opportunities like that that exist that people could be a part of if they so chose? I think it's, I think it's happening, but it's happening in silos. Mm. Um, and, and we can possibly, um, as, as I mentioned, the Black Farmers Collective is, is a young organization, and we're thinking about how we can expand. And why we use the word collective, because we're looking at how we can collect other Black farmers together to create incubators. Um, where we can share resources, we can talk about resources, we can talk about helping each other, and we can talk about growing. Um, I hear about um, a lot of great innovators right now um, and people who have money that are going out. Um, there's farmer football players. Uh, if you think of C.J. McCullum mm. from Portland, he just acquired right. major mass land to grow vineyards, uh, grow grapes, and and and. Um, for wine, there's a lot of people who are doing things in their silos. And sometimes we on the lower end need to connect to those who might be financially uh, resourceful to help us out. Um, but we need to make those, we need to make those connections. So mm. that's the, that's the biggest thing that I can say is like, we really need to get into a room uh, together and, and have a, have a conversation of how we can support each other and how we can truly support each other and do something that's, that's great. See that part right there, the we need to get into a room, 
that part <laughs> that's the part that yeah, i am most yeah. excited about because i think honestly bro i gotta be honest with you i feel like that's the thing that is so missing from allowing so many more of our solutions to be created and funded and sustained in ways that frankly center us in our needs so to all the wealthy black people out there who are listening if y'all want to invest in some <laughs> land i'm gonna need y'all to contact the black farmers collective so we can be strategic about this because sir i'm envisioning a world where like you know i'm not one of these well-moneyed people i I'm not well moneyed, but if I had a lot of money and I'm listening to this interview, I would want to say, hey, I and a couple of my other hedge fund friends or my other, you know, black corporate wealthy people or, you know, wherever we get in our wealth from these days, uh, we want to buy some land and we want to do so systematically in partnership with the Black Farmers Collective. And I, I feel like that part of getting in a room and having those conversations, well, well, hopefully some conversations will continue to be spurred from the work that you're already doing and from this discussion as well. But I feel like that's the part that if we had more of that happening, we would be able to have a lot more solution developed, not just conversation about it, uh, but actual implementation of solutions. Yeah. When you're, you, when you're thinking about the next generation of folks, you've got the school programs and, and young people who are, are seeing how this is tied to what they're learning or should be learning in math and science and spaces of, of that nature. We're seeing a, a, an explosion in uh, interest in black uh, urban farmers, folks who, again, like myself, don't know what we're doing, but we try. We, that tomato pops you up. Oh, my God, there is no joy like it. <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> uh, are, there, are there other ways that you guys are already thinking about are there other ways for us to get in the room more strategically? I know that we've got the, as you mentioned, the athletes and, and a number of folks who are already started doing this. Are there plans in place for that more strategic conversation to be taking place? So uh, for, for us <clears throat> at Black Farmers Collective, we're having conversations with, with radio interviewers, podcasts like you. Um, we are having conversations with local government entities um, here in Seattle. We're having conversations um, not only with local, but other activist groups. So we don't even think about black farming in ourselves. Like we know it, but we all we also show allyship. So we're getting together with our, our native brothers and sisters and then our also mm. our Hispanic brothers and sisters. And we're just saying how we can all help each other out and how we can all flourish. And then also using those connections to, to talk to bigger government entities um, and other um, people in other regions that we can help out. So um, we know that, you know, as a, as a bigger body or as a collective with black folks and allies that we're making a bigger impact. Um, and we're sharing more and more resources and helping each other further and further out. So uh, those are some of the type of things that we're doing on, on our end. And it's a lot. It's a lot. I can, I can tell you with staff and board members, um, it's probably like eight of us um, thus wow. far. And, mm. <clears throat> and we are able to educate, uh, creating plots for our people to grow, talk to government entities, um, vouch sitting on board, sitting on boards to help acquire, um, and then also working with the educational system right now. And we're like, hold up, how can we grow this out? How we can add more people to our board and our collective? How we can bring more educators about so they can have outdoor classrooms with youth? Um, and then how our elders can have plots. So we're doing all of these things and really showing these government entities 
like we need to be valued a little bit more by you all mm. so we can not only grow but mind you we're tackling some of the issues that they're not tackling or they don't mm. know how and that they should reach out to us to talk about even when we talk about uh the people that are houseless we have to deal with houseless people on our farm coming to our farm each and every day that might be coming through grabbing fruits vegetables or <laughs> um Unfortunately, some of them are stealing some of our supplies to build houses for themselves. So, wow. and, and, and being in an urban farm, we we tackle all of these issues. And so, you know, um, once again, I said local and state government should definitely come to us uh, to to not be the bearer of all the solutions, but some of the solutions that they're not being able to tackle right now. Mm, another area where it seems as though there are solutions within the reach of government and government is saying, well, figure it out. Organizers organize around voter suppression and all the other things. Ah, that's another topic for another day. How do we support you? How do people <laughs> listening right now? I, trust me, I could go off on that. We don't want to do that. Uh, how can people who are listening right now support the work of your organization, either in terms of, of, of sending funds and resources or frankly, getting on the phone and calling elected officials and, and pressing those buttons of power as well man look at look at our social media page black farmers collective uh look at blackfarmerscollective.com hit the donate button um that that always you know five ten dollars always help goes a long way like i said we're working on um how we can feed people with our greenhouses uh throughout the winter oh excuse me throughout the winter time um, we're looking at how um, come back next spring, um, how we can work with more program, educational programs, um, getting people plots outside. Our, our one acre uh, farm in Seattle is growing. Our four acre farm in Woodenville is, is definitely growing as well. Um, we're looking at how we can access or get uh, these fruits and vegetables out to people. Um mm reach out um, on the governmental level. Just tell people about the Black Farmers Collective. Um, we're working with people not only in Seattle, but in the Pacific Northwest region. And, you know, by talking to us, maybe you are looking for somebody in your area, we can connect you with somebody we know, another Black or Hispanic or Native American farmer that's in that area region that can help you out. Um, so, you know, just shout us out, connect to us, send us an email. Um, and, and we can help the best that we can. Mm. We need some more chapters. I, I've lived in Washington state before in Tacoma and I know it's a beautiful place, but we need y'all all over the place. <laughs> we need a nationwide Man, effort uh, to do just that. And so I, I'm really grateful for the work that you all are doing. Uh, it's so very necessary right now. And again, there are a lot of things that we are demanding of government and demanding that government do, but there are a lot of things that we can all do as well. And you just heard our guests uh, share some of those things. Black Farmers Collective dot com is their website are you guys a 501c3 yes we are a 501c3 
That's excellent. So then if I were to go to your website, blackfarmerscollective.com and hit that donate button, that's a tax deductible donation. I just want to put that out there for anybody who's interested. Uh, And we can, uh, there's a lot of information here about how you can learn about the program. You can volunteer with the program. Uh, And again, yes, it does look like you guys are are located primarily in the, uh, the Pacific Northwest, but these are systems and programs that I think can be replicated in other places and quite frankly, should be replicated in other places. Uh, so please do keep us posted. We, we've seen with a lot of shame and and just disgust that the way that so many relief programs that have put to, been put together to speak specifically to the needs of black farmers have just been wasted, uh, wasted away, sidelined by, quite frankly, white farmers alleging reverse discrimination and reverse racism when I have yet to find a lawsuit of a white farmer rejecting uh, the abundance of resources that they got from the government because black and brown farmers did not get enough of their fair share. So uh, we're seeing some old, old seeds really producing some terrible crops to, to continue the pun. Uh, but this is a, a situation yeah. that I think we all can play a much bigger role in supporting. Uh, and quite frankly, we absolutely must do it. We've seen everything from the supply chain, as you mentioned, breaking down. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, as a, whether it's black farming, whether it's black plum- plumbers and engineers for folks in Flint and, and Benton Harbor, Michigan, who don't have clean water, whether it's whatever the issue is, I am seeing a pattern here that when we rely on ourselves, we have the best solutions for those situations. And I'm hoping that uh, the solutions that you were talking about are, are something that we can scale and expand upon as well. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a real pleasure to have you here. Man, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 